Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have a returning guest, really great guy, uh, Ken McCarthy, very wise person that has a lot of knowledge of history and an interesting perspective on what's going now in terms of the corruption, the rampant corruption that appears to be happening worldwide, not just in the U.S. Uh, Ken is actually one of the pioneers of using the internet to do marketing. He first started working with the internet, it appears, in uh, 1993 or 1994, when it had just started. He runs a company called The System Seminar, and for a number of years, he put on really great internet marketing seminars that I attended. He still has a club, uh, The System Club, where he gives uh, advice and talks about what's going on right now, not only with marketing, but politically and with the uh, coronavirus, etc. So, Ken, thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me back. Well, you've got a lot of history and you have a lot of uh, you know, information and uh, and background. So, yeah, I wanted to talk to you today about uh, chlorine dioxide. It seems like you have some experience with it. What, what's the story of uh, chlorine dioxide? Let me start by saying that this might be less of a scientific call and more of a propaganda, public relations, effective therapies are suppressed. And chlorine dioxide is absolutely the most unbelievable story of the suppression of information that you can imagine. And before I go, I want to make a a legal statement. I'm making my remarks available to any network journalist who wants to broadcast them or reprint them. And you can pay me $250,000 for even excerpting as little as one sentence. So if you do excerpt anything from here without broadcasting the entire thing, I have an attorney waiting in the wings who believes he can make some money on the deal. So by all means, excerpt something from this and try to twist it and distort it, and you will get a letter from an attorney and you will pay. So let's let's start there. And you're going to see why this is necessary when dealing with these people, because I think most people have a sense that there's some incompetence in the news media, and there may even be some people that are less than ethical. You have no idea how bad it is. And that's what that's really what this call is going to go into. But let's talk about some science right away. All right. So we because we mentioned the name of a compound before I get into chlorine dioxide, I want to talk about another compound called dihydrogen monoxide. Now, that is, yeah, yeah, I know you, you know, right. And I'm sure most of the listeners are laughing. Right. But, but for people that don't and I'm not making fun of the people that don't know, because until somebody tells you, you don't know. But I want to talk about dihydrogen monoxide. It is the cause of death of thousands of people every year. It is really, you know, uh, handled incorrectly. It is a very, very dangerous substance. Now, when added, when you add another compound to it called sodium chloride, that's when things get really hairy. And sodium chloride is an absolute toxin, can absolutely kill people. And the problem is these things are not regulated properly. And um, they're very dangerous. So anybody that talks about dihydrogen monoxide should have their books removed from Amazon. Wouldn't you agree? 
I mean, it's such a dangerous substance that even having a book on the subject, you should remove yeah. it. Right. I mean, it's just too dangerous for right. humanity. And sodium chloride is far too dangerous to have for anybody, for a non-technical person to handle because it's, you know, it's sodium chloride. I mean, my God, sodium and chlorine. I mean, what could be more dangerous? All right. And I are joking and, and I, I'm sure most people are laughing. Dihydrogen monoxide is water. It's H2O and sodium chloride is salt. And actually people do die of water poisoning. It's called drowning. And it's, you know, I don't mean to trivialize that. Thousands of people drown every year. There, there are dangers to water. You can drink enough water to kill yourself. It has occasionally happened. So sodium chloride, I don't know what the toxic dose is, but I think you could probably pack somebody with enough of it to cause organ failure. So Table salt is dangerous. Water is dangerous. Everything used foolishly has the potential to be dangerous. That's step number one. So the other thing I want is to tell people who, who may not be, you know, science oriented or, or may not, or like me originally slept through chemistry class. I had to make up for it later in life. A compound has a different character than its constituent parts. So I'm drawing a blank. What are we talking about today? We're talking about chlorine dioxide, chlorine dioxide. So chlorine dioxide sounds scary just right. in the same way that dihydrogen monoxide i mean carbon monoxide will you know kill you right so chlorine dioxide sounds, sounds scary but people with civilians need to know is that when you combine atoms into compounds their nature changes radically right, right. one needn't worry about the monoxide in in hydrogen monoxide it will not poison you if you breathe fumes of Chlorine dioxide is a completely different substance than chlorine. And this needs to be said because there are some people, and I, I think I'll at some point in this interview name them by name, who have made a living, made a career, made a profession out of consistently and deliberately and maliciously misrepresenting chlorine dioxide as chlorine. You know, it's, it's not. So I, so I hope the joke about dihydrogen monoxide and this little tutorial on what a compound is and why compounds are different in nature than their constituent parts is, is a heartfelt orientation. The other thing, by the way, what I'm talking about right now is completely non-controversial. There is no NBC reporter can, you know, decide that, you know, I, I'm spouting dangerous information. Okay. I mean, she'll, she'll do it anyway because she's a professional liar. But, but right now, everything I've said so far, you can't dispute. Nobody can dispute it unless you're a paid psychopath. Now, the other thing that is indisputable is that chlorine dioxide is approved by the EPA to be added to drinking water supplies as a water purification method. Okay. That's just a fact. I know the people that hate chlorine dioxide and want to present it as a terrible poison and a scourge to humanity and, and, you know, chlorine plus and bleach and all that. I, I, I know they hate facts, but that's a fact. Here's another fact. The FDA has approved of chlorine dioxide as a class two food additive. This is a fact. All right. And again, I know the people who've made a living disparaging this compound and anybody that researches it or talks about it. And we're going to talk about the things they have done to people. I know they hate these facts. They hate them, but they're facts. And I, you know, it's, I'm really sorry that they're facts, but they're facts. Chlorine dioxide is used, has also been used during the anthrax scare in the capital years ago. It was the substance used to, you know, clear, clear the, the capital of any remnants of, of anthrax. Um, okay. it was, it's also, it was also used 
um, as a sterilization substance in, uh, in, in the treatment of Ebola. So, you know, they would wash down the rooms that people who had Ebola were in with, with chlorine dioxide. It's sprayed on um, meat and seafood to kill surface bacteria. The people that have made a living, and I think I'll name some of them uh, a little later, lying. There's no, other, there's, no, there's no other way to put it. Just straight up lying about this compound and its nature. How did you first uh, come across it? What's your first? I, you know what? I read a book about it a long time ago, and it just shows you how things work. I read it, and it sounded very interesting. It was hard to obtain, so I wasn't able to get any. And then I read some internet stuff, and I wasn't thinking very clearly. And I accepted anti-chlorine dioxide campaign as fact, you know, and, and figured, well, you know, I'm not going to mess with it. So I just put the book mm-hmm. aside. And then I ran into somebody who's had a tremendous, well-documented track record treating severely autistic children. And uh, it's part of the protocol is, is, is to give them trace amounts, really ridiculous, like, like one drop in a quart of water consumed over a period of a day. Pretty low. Oh, by the way, it, it's also used you know, as an emergency water purifier, like out in the woods, you know. So, and she has a son who uh, was vaccine injured, went from normal, bright-eyed, speaking, interacting naturally, normally, to adverse vaccine reaction. And then he never came out of it. Like, he just stopped talking, stopped interacting with people, started self-harming. Uh, and so she had a lot of resources, and she, she left no stone unturned. And she went to every doctor in the world, literally. Uh, because she really had no limit to the resources that she could spend. And uh, she even bought her own, what's that, hyperbaric chamber? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so that's the kind of that's the kind of resources she had, you know. So she just and, and she made it available for free to people in need. So that's also the kind of person she is. So at some point, a, a uh, she was based in in Mexico, and and a and a physician gave her some, uh, chlorine dioxide, it was just in a little plastic bottle, and said, you know, you might try this. And she just put it aside, didn't think anything of it, and then a year later, started taking it herself, realized it wasn't having a negative effect. So she gave some to her son. Her son had a, what do they call it? A hexamer reaction. It, I, I don't know. The, I forget the technical term, but it's, if you detoxify too fast, especially if you're, if it's, if you're killing pathogens too fast in the body, okay. um, you can make yourself sick. So he had that kind of reaction, you know, temporary passing, not non-fatal, non-damaging, just, you know, unpleasant. And the next day he was speaking for the first time, making eye contact with his mother for the first time and even asked for a bath. And this is a kid that didn't talk, just rocked and back and forth and so on. So she said, wow, what is this stuff? So she learned about the dosing and she developed a protocol, you know, low and slow, which literally starts with one drop and a quart of water. And then you just 
increase the dosage over time. And um, it's, it's become the foundation of, of her very successful protocol. And I've talked with many mothers, you know, who've, I mean, I can tell you, here, there's one case of a, of, a, of a young man, 23 years old, hadn't spoken in uh, since he was two and was very self-harming. Like, you know, I don't want to be graphic, but, you know, let's be graphic. He was literally gnawing his forearm bloody every day. He would have violent fits every hour on the hour. And that becomes a problem when somebody is now in an, in an adult-sized body. So his mom found this lady. I'll tell you, tell you her name, Carrie Rivera. Terribly, terribly slandered by news media people. And it's, it, we'll talk about that because it's all part of the story. And um, within a short time, he had stopped self-harming. And, you know, all those wounds on his arm just, you know, healed up. There's scar tissue, of course, but, you know, that, you know, there's no more of that. And now he might get upset once or twice a week as opposed to every hour. And when he does get upset, he can be managed. He can be reasoned with. Whereas before, you know, it was, you didn't know what was going to happen. And he, last time I checked, he's speaking 12 words. So from, from absolute no, no verbal ability to now, unfortunately, he went 20 years in this state. So, you know, there's a difference between hardware and software damage in the brain. It's, you know, overcoming hardware damage, it's really hard. Overcoming software damage can be very fast, which is why when young, young kids get this protocol early, if they don't have organic damage and the problem is just simply biochemistry, they can often snap out of their autism dramatically. So, as long as you understand that hardware, as long as you understand that hardware software differentiation, you really can't rapidly overcome organic brain damage, you know. But a lot of these kids, they're just po- they're just poisoned. They're just straight up poisoned. And one of the th- so chlorine dioxide is not a biological killer. You know, it doesn't. It's not like um, penicillin or something. It's not antibiotics. It doesn't kill. It doesn't destroy by poisoning, which essentially is what antibiotics does. I mean, it literally poisons the body and kills, it kills the pathogens that are uniquely susceptible to that poison, right? So you could have an infection and it's not just any antibiotics is going to work. It has to be the right antibiotics. I had a friend, his wife had a, some kind of blood infection, blood poisoning or something of so that nature. And they had to cycle through a whole bunch of different antibiotics before they, they came up with the right one. And had they not come up with the right one, she would have died. So, so anyway, antibiotics and, and drugs in general, uh, when they're operating by killing are kill specifically by poisoning the pathogen. Chlorine dioxide is not a, uh, doesn't operate that way. It's more in the realm of oxygen or ozone. You know, oxygen is, what do they say? Fresh air and sunshine sunshine is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Now oxidizers are dangerous in their own right, but what's so interesting about chlorine dioxide is it's a very effective oxidizer, but it's a very weak oxidizer. It's really a strange paradox. It's also a tiny molecule, right? Chlorine dioxide, one chlorine molecule, two oxygen molecules. So it's really tiny. So it gets into little spaces. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And, you know, it would be best to see the film, but basically it kills pathogens by destructuring them, like taking them apart, you know, blowing them up, not by poisoning them. That's a big difference because if it's a poison, well, then it can poison you too. If it's a oxidizer with very mild effect on tissue, extremely mild, 
well, then that's a different story. So it's, it's an all-purpose thing. It just goes through and anything that's the wrong charge, which tends to be pathogens, interestingly enough, tends to be some heavy metals and other, you know, other chemical things that don't belong in the body. It does just a very good do- job of demolishing them. And it's chemically similar to chemicals that your own body produces, that your own immune system produces. So my theory, the reason that it works is if your immune system gets overrun, you can get behind, you know, in other words, you're just, you never catch up. You never, you never succeed in clearing the system because there's just too much, either your system's weak or there's too much of the pathogens or toxins, or it's a combination and you just can't catch up. So you're perennially sick. That's what happens with with these autistic children. They're healthy, then they get poisoned and they just never catch up. Their their immune system, their, their ability, their ability to detoxify themselves never catches up. And of course, we have a whole, we have an immune system, but we also have a whole elaborate detoxification system. If we didn't, we would be dead within a week. You know, if we, if we weren't able to clear out all the crap that we encounter just walking down the street and it just piled up, we'd be in serious trouble. So we have a, we have an immune system that deals with pathogens and we have a detoxification system that actually deals with, you know, mercury and lead and all these things. I mean, these things will eventually come out of your system. Just they come out very slowly normally. So it, it, it also operates a little bit like a, um, chelator, right? But very mild, very slow. Very slow, very slow chelation process. So it is, it is an all purpose therapy in the same way that probably sunshine, there's probably no disease, maybe some skin disease. I don't know, but there's, there's probably not many diseases that would not be benefited. You'd help yourself by getting sunshine. There's probably not many diseases. In fact, we can almost say there is no disease that wouldn't be helped by fresh air. There's, what are some of the, um, the specific, not the specific dosage, but what's the uh, typical concentration? You mentioned one drop of ClO2 and I don't know how much water, but it seems like it's low concentrations used. Yeah, you, you don't want it. You don't want to take it straight. It's a, first of all, first of all, chlorine dioxide is a gas, right? And you actually have to quote manufacture it. Like you can't go and buy a bottle of chlorine dioxide. So what you get, one of the problems with chlorine dioxide, besides the fact that it's so effective, besides the fact that it is safe. I mean, you really got to work hard to screw screw this up. It's too cheap to meter. I mean, we're not talking about a penny per dose. We're talking about a fraction of a penny per dose. So if you have a multi-trillion dollar investment in a model that keeps people sick for as long as possible and hooks them onto all kinds of expensive remedies that you control, chlorine dioxide is your, is literally your worst night. Oh, by the way, chlorine dioxide is used in some products. Uh, it's used in oral care and oral health products. Just want to throw that out there too. So, and I'm so sorry that you didn't see the film. I'll have to make sure I find it and send it to you because it has been pat. It has many, many, it's been patented many, many times for specific applications. So you can't patent the molecule because I mean, it's just, you know, how do you do that? Uh, But you can patent its use in specific applications. So UCLA owns some patents, Johnson and Johnson owns some patents. So this is known. The efficacy and safety of this thing is well known unless you're getting your information from NBC News. And I'll, we'll talk about why NBC News comes up a lot in a bit. But anyway, you've got to make, you've got to make your own chlorine dioxide. Not so hard to do. And one thing to point out is that, so it has a lot of commercial applications is what you're saying. Oh, well, not only, not only, not only does it have no medical, everything, the Johnson Johnson patent is medical and the UCLA patent is medical on the commercial application side. 
this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, let's say you have a mold filled room and, you know, you just got to, you know, how do you get rid of it? Well, you can take a, I don't know what the, it'd be a device that sprays aerosol. Yeah. And fogger. Exactly. In fact, hotels do do this, right? So they, they got their little, we got one can of um, uh, sodium chloride and one can of um, uh, hydrochloric acid uh, at a, at a 4% concentration. And then as soon as you mix them, that's chlorine dioxide gas appears, right? And so you take, you have these device, you have this device and you roll it into the hotel room and you flip the switch and the sodium chloride mixes with the hydrochloric acid and you get a a cloud of chlorine dioxide, which by the way, and I will tell you this, you do not want to inhale. You don't want to be in a room that has it. It's not good for the lungs. It's a little too strong in that way for the lungs. But once it settles and the air and the room is aired out it does a crackerjack job and that's how they dealt with the capital they would they would put tents over areas and then they would put in these these um diffusers or whatever you call them foggers and this thing is unbelievably effective in killing pathogens and that's that's just known i really want to talk about how it's been okay here's here's the list of things that it that it whacks well i, I would be we'd be here all day but every every form of e coli legionella helicobacter pylori. Yeah. yeah, you know, salmonella, listeria, all the different kinds of listeria. It does, interestingly enough, and this was published, but this is really interesting. There are companies that manufacture this on an industrial scale for industrial uses. So that's why, by the way, it's approved by the FDA as a class two food additive. Nobody adds it to food, but it is used to clean food manufacturing equipment. So there is a chance of getting traces of it in your food. That's why they prove it for that use. But anyway, this, this is a company that, that make, makes it on an industrial scale. And this is so interesting. I never I hadn't seen this. This was published well before the coronavirus bullshit uh, uh, scandemic. And they list coronavirus as one of the things that it kills. This is oh, wow. very, very influ- influenza A, hepatitis virus. By, by the way, this is scientific. This is this is pure science, like uh, Staphylococcus. So that this speaks to, and it kills all different kinds of mold, uh, aspergillus, all the different varieties, Candida, on and on and on and on and on and on. Why does it do it? Because all these little things are, I guess, for some reason, they 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 have a charge that makes them vulnerable to the charge that chlorine dioxide produces. That's which is you might ask yourself, you know, how does our immune system kill pathogens without killing us? Well, because it's using substance, it produces substances that kill pathogens and not tissue. So, so anyway, you've got to make this stuff yourself and which sounds complicated, but it's not. You basically take one to one ratio, one drop of um, sodium chloride, which you start out in a two, uh, 22.4% sodium chloride solution, right? And then you've got a 4% hydrochloric acid solution. And then just one drop of each, put it in a little shot glass. And within a minute, the thing starts turning amber. And, you know, sometimes you'll see even a little cloud come up. You will, you will smell a chlorine-like smell. It will smell of that. And then what you do is pour water over it. The, the gas gets trapped in the liquid. And then um, you consume it. And I've consumed, I don't know, hundreds of doses of this. Never with any ill effect, you know, never with any ill effect. What? What did you experience when you consumed it? What did it feel like? And how did you feel after? Um, you it know, it's not, I wouldn't like want to go out for drinks and order this from the bar, you know, but when I was taking doses that were a little too, too large, they would make me feel a little woozy. And then when I just backed off on the dose, I would never, I wouldn't feel anything. And I believe it makes sense that the wooziness was the fact that I was killing stuff off way too fast. 
Um, so that's that's my experience with it. I had been po- I had been pretty badly poisoned. Uh, you know, it was like a, the mother of all disasters. I had mold in an apartment that I was renting that I didn't wasn't aware of. Then I had an office at the same time that had mold in the ceiling that I wasn't aware of. And then I was in a building that I bought that I was having renovated and I went to go supervise the work and that building was filled with mold, severe mold, like so bad that the whole building had to be gutted from the inside and rebuilt from scratch. And then uh, we had some home improvement done that involved some um, uh, very caustic, very not caustic, but very toxic lacquer, which the contractor didn't disclosed to us. And it turned out the idiot distributor didn't even know how toxic it was. I had to do three months of research to find out that they used an ingredient in it that's so toxic that by itself, you can't handle it without a full face mask and a um, rubber apron with gloves up to your shoulders. That's how they work with it when they work with it by itself. But they drop it in this lacquer and it's supposedly it's okay. You know, it just, it just cracks you up. You know, that's tolerated, right? And, and it killed, it, it made me very, very sick. The, the combination of all those things. I was gravely ill for months, many months. From what you said so far, there's, you know, chlorine dioxide has a lot of applications. It's well known. It's well understood. It's not a new thing. And then also the, the old saying, the dose makes the poison. So at, at different concentrations, all substances do different things. And yeah, and I looked up into account. Yeah, and as for its danger, I I, um, I was doing some research to counter the blatant lying of a uh, really sinister and demented individual who works for NBC News, and she's in, she's allowed to do what she does by her superiors. So so NBC is responsible for her actions. Anyway. She made a absolutely fraudulent claim about the number of um, calls to the emergency room, you know, the emergency hotlines about chlorine dioxide. When we looked it up, it turned out those were really numbers for chlorine poisoning. So she just simply either by accident or on purpose with this individual, you never know what she's doing. But anyway, it was completely fraudulent, the numbers that she. So I did my own research. And I think since 1950, I don't have my numbers here handy, but OSHA. And this is where people would encounter chlorine dioxide on an industrial scale. Like, you know, you're making it, you know, there's, there's lots of it. So, and so OSHA would be regulating that. And don't, don't hold me to this, but roughly since the 1950s, there have been something like eight or 12 hospitals. Now, hospital, people going to the hospital, right? Not hospitalized, but going to a hospital, eight cases total in decades, right? And apparently there was one death attributed. This guy got locked somehow in a room with chlorine dioxide fumes and, and he died. But so, and, and, and this thing is made by the ton, right? Like this, this stuff's being manufactured on an industrial level by tonnage every year. And so for there to be so few injuries is, is, is really remarkable. But anyway, you take a drop of each. Or you can, you know, you can take a higher dose. I don't really want to get into how you take it. You've got to learn it. You've got to talk with an experienced uh, clinician and like everything else, like even aspirin. You know, do you know 10, I think, I forget forget the number, but I think 10,000 people end up in the emergency room every year from aspirin. And we're not talking about aspirin overdoses. We're just talking about an aspirin bad reaction. Or the side effects. Yeah. Yeah. So everything, everything except this stuff has the, anything that's a drug. And this is not a drug. This is a chemical compound. It's the most important, very important thing to realize. This is not, does not have a drug-like effect. 
doesn't operate like a drug. It is, it operates like a chemical compound. So anyway, that, that's that story. And this, any, any situation where the immune system can use some help, where you're overrun with pathogens, this is a potential thing for, for people to look at. Now, so, so not only is this stuff too cheap to meter, I mean, literally less than a penny per dose, but the ingredients are unregulatable. Like you can't regulate hydrochloric acid. Like, what are you going to do? Make it illegal? You know, and sodium chloride is a pretty common chemical compound, pretty easy to get. So somebody that has even basic, if you passed chemistry and you trust yourself, you can make your own solution, you know, your own 22.4% sodium chloride solution, and you can make your own 4% hydrochloric acid solution. And now you're in business and you now have a therapeutic element that you've got essentially for free. That's the situation. So there is a, there are many, many MDs used to talk about this stuff. Now they are well aware if they talk about it, their licenses will be challenged and they, therefore they don't talk about it. And, and, you know, we've already had this discussion over, over COVID, but it started before COVID, you know. Like how did the problems with putting dioxide start? Before, I, before we do that, let me just point out, there is a, an oncologist in France named Laurent Schwartz, and he just straight out says it's better than chemotherapy. It's safer and it targets better. All right. That's not me. That's a uh, uh, French oncologist, Laurent Schwartz, MD. And uh, if assuming they haven't taken his papers down, he has written papers on, on the subject. Now, the other thing, and, and hold your question, because there's another thing I want to make sure that, that gets, it gets said today. And um, because there's so many things to say, we might forget them. In 2019, or let, let's say this, the National Institute of Health, our, our favorite people, you know, the people that employ Tony Fauci, administer about $37 billion in grants every year. And um, by the way, a frighteningly large amount of that is controlled by Tony Fauci. And we've had, we've done whole calls on that. I'm not going to beat that dead horse, but that's pretty much when you're, when they take money from your paycheck and they say they're spending it on health research, this is who it goes to. It goes to National Institute of Health. Here's how their their spending broke down in 2019. Antimicrobial resistance, about half a billion with a B. They spent a quarter of a billion on autism. They spent nearly a billion on autoimmune disease. They spent uh, yeah, 150 million on cannabinoid research. Seven, only 76 million on food allergies. Eight billion on genetics. And re- ready for this? This is almost unbelievable. Is this possible? Yeah. 545 half a billion dollars on um, an AIDS vaccine. So every year they've been spending half a billion dollars on the, for the last 36 years. Do the math. Oh, wow. That's just the vaccine. That's just the vaccine. Now, all these things are, I think everybody's see that these are all just cash cow bullshit money pumps for scam artists. And none, not $1 has the NIH spent on studying chlorine dioxide as a therapeutic agent. Not $1. They have $37 billion dollars to spend per year, but they don't have $1. They seem to be interested in antimicrobial resistance. Well, chlorine dioxide has demonstrated itself to be a wonderful agent for dealing with people with microbial problems, right? We've already talked about the autism. They're not interested in it. You had a question. I just I just wanted to point that out, that they have all the money in the world to give to universities to basically set a flame and waste. And they don't have one cent to spend on this, on studying this compound. It's just interesting. 
All right. So you had, yes. you had a question. You had a question. Oh, how did this get on the right? So chlorine dioxide has been around for a long time, just wasn't on the radar screen, but it has been in and out of awareness since at least the 1920s. And it got rediscovered for therapeutic purposes by a, an amateur and which is part of the problem. You know, if this had been discovered by Stanford University or, uh, well, we know Johns Hopkins wouldn't be interested because they're only interested in scams. If a semi-respectable institution like Stanford had discovered it, maybe it would have had more credence. And if they had discovered it and said, well, it's, it's only good for oral health, maybe, maybe it would have been accepted. But this guy discovered it out in the bush. He was a, a gold mining engineer. And, you know, gold is usually, is often found in pretty wild and woolly and remote places. And there are still places in this world that you can't get to fast. It takes days to get to, you know, they're not going to bring you in with a helicopter and uh, you just got to get in the truck and drive through the jungle for however many days it takes. So he was out in the bush at a mine with a bunch of guys and they, they came down with malaria and they, you know, he didn't know what to do because he couldn't get them back to a hospital in time. So he had this stuff. He, they were using it for their water purification. They say they were drinking it every day anyway. So he thought, well, I'll just give him a big dose. A bigger dose and see what happens. You know, they're going to, they're dying. You know, they're, they're, they're we don't, you know, we're, this is an emergency situation. You know, emergency use authorization, right? <laughs> True emergency use authorization yeah, as opposed exactly, to right. manufactured one, right? So, yep. and all these guys got really sick. They threw their guts up and the next day they were fine. That's his story. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, but apparently this has been duplicated in Africa. Um, there's a weird film floating around, if you can find it, because it's been censored, where there was one country in Africa did a open public test in conjunction with the local Red Cross. And they, you know, they dosed, they tested people and they dosed them and they tested them the next day and they saw you know, a resolution of their, um, their malaria symptoms. You know, there is a doctor or not a doctor, a, a research chemist, biochemist, Kalker, K-A-L-K-E-R, Andreas, Andreas Kalker. And he's been studying the therapeutics of chlorine dioxide for a long time. He's actually working using it. Uh, it's, it's hard to get, um, livestock to consume it because they don't like the smell. So he's made an injectable and they have actually used it to basically treat and cure livestock that are ill. Um, so Andreas Kalker, and um, I forget why I was bringing him up. Um, he's got a book. There's a, there's a video somewhere. It might even be on Brass Check. One of our big challenges with Brass Check is we used to depend on YouTube to be our hosting company, you know, and that was great while it lasted. And now it's just incredible how they're disappearing stuff. I mean, so we, we have to back, every time we find a good video, we have to back it up. But anyway, Kalker talks about the nitty gritty of why chlorine dioxide would be effective in, in the case of a ma- ma- malaria infection. He gets into the biochemistry of it. I don't, I can't say what he said because it's not in my mind right now, but he's thought it out very carefully. And there is, there is a, there's a rationale. There's like a logical rationale for why it would work. Um, so, so that's that. This fellow, his name is Jim Humble and he wrote books and this thing took off when, when, when this first was hit, the internet was sort of, you know, still a free zone for con- conversation and information sharing and it spread fast. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are millions of chlorine dioxide users around the world, millions. And, and um, that I guess got the attention of somebody. And then they began a character assassination campaign against, uh, Jim Humble. And um, 
private individual can be made to look ridiculous. I mean, it's any, there's nobody that's immune to that. If you follow me around all day long, you know, or for weeks on end, or, or look at every single thing that ever has, you know, happened in my life, you could probably find some things to ridicule me about. Um, in fact, you will, you will, <laughs> you know, not probably, you will. And that goes for any human being that's ever lived. So we typically don't do that to human beings. You know, we, we only go after people if they commit you know, overt crimes. But in the case of character assassination, you just do whatever you can to assassinate the character. So they attempted to make him into a ridiculous figure. He unfortunately, I think, made a catastrophically misguided mistake, which he thought, well, the only way I can make this stuff safe is, is, is create my own religion. And therefore, um, the use of this will be part of the religion and therefore will be protected by uh, religious, you know, rights or whatever. Um, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. And it, and it just opened him up to all kinds of potential problems. But uh, well, some it, people have done that with ayahuasca and a few other substances to, you know, to be able well, to there, give it to people. There is a legal basis. I, I think, um, for instance, peyote, I think, which is illegal, which is an interesting concept. How could a cactus that pre-existed humanity be illegal? Uh, you know, but it anyway... That, that was that there's Liz legal, you know, license to use it in certain religious settings. I believe sometimes cannabis, some people try to do that. Yeah. So it, it, it's a way, you know, it, it's a way to go, but it opened him up to all kinds of ridicule. And again, it's easy to ridicule anybody and anybody and anything. And that seems to be what these people posing as journalists, because they're clearly not journalists. I don't really know what they are. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they're recruited. I don't know how the people who employ them conceive of them. You know, like why, like, do they have a line item on their budget to hire professional scumbags? I don't know how it works. I really don't know. But I do know there are absolutely, we're going to talk about one of them maybe, um, who's literally employed her whole job is to um, write hit pieces against basically good, decent, honest people in an attempt to assassinate their character. I mean, that's really all she seems to do and, and, and lies in this, in the process. It's quite amazing. I wish, I wish one of these people would hire an attorney. I tried to persuade one of her victims um, and they did send a letter to NBC, but you know, it's all about power. It's all about power and they have a lot of it and uh, the, their victims don't, um, you know, there, there's a thing in journalism that you're supposed to, um, punch up, you know, in other words, you don't, you don't punch down. You don't, you don't use your journalistic prowess to inflict, um, you know, injury on, on, on weak people. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amazing that we have to say that, but that's, a, that used to be a principle in, in journalism. And, well, and, 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 harm for doctor, you know? yeah, yeah, but in particular, don't harm the weak. You're not supposed to use journalistic power to attack innocent weak people and i don't mean right. weak that they're weak they're just you know comparatively they're weak so oh inflict what are, what are the com- oh no inflict the, you know the, it, you're supposed to inflict inflict the, the 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 comfortable and comfort the afflict you're supposed to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted right okay. in other words that's the purpose of journalism you know you know the the the, the fortunate and powerful of the world um needs somebody to call them on their bullshit from time to time that's that's afflicting the comfortable and the vast majority of people that are having a rough time um, need to be comforted. And that's the purpose of journalism. So th- this, this individual at NBC reverses that, you know, on behalf of, 
I'm not sure who they're working specifically on behalf. Of. I mean, we've talked about this before, and it, it can't be said enough. The pharmaceutical industry owns the TV news and owns the newspapers, period. They, they, and you can see that somebody could do a study, but it, no study needs even to be done. Anybody that's just been around the last 40 years, count the number of, of news, of news studies critical of the pharmaceutical industry that appeared in the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, and the 2010s, and watch the, watch the curve collapse to zero. They don't, you know, the only thing they've gone after uh, in the last couple of years is the opioid thing, because I guess that just got too out of hand. And I guess the Sackler family didn't pay off the right people. Otherwise, they have done no critical reporting of the pharmaceutical industry at all in the last 10 years, very little in the last 20. And they used to do it all the time. You can go on YouTube yourself and everybody can check this out and you'll see some really hard hitting stuff on the, even there was a great, there was a great piece on the, the, uh, the swine flu scam, Gerald Ford administration, which by the way, he shut down the swine flu vaccination based on a fraction of the deaths and, and adverse reactions that have already occurred with this, uh, uh, gene therapy. He shut it down. He said, this is it. We're out. We're done. You kill too many people. Oh, wow. It's over. And now we're, we're just racking up the dead bodies. And, you, you know, we got the perfect president to do nothing. So anyway, but let's yeah. not get, let's not get too off, four off the track, but what are some of the things that were said about chlorine dioxide that were not true? Oh, let's oh go through some of them. that it's chlorine, that it's the equivalent of Clorox. That's the equivalent of bleach that they're encouraging ignorant people to consume bleach and by the way, they, they injected this bullshit into the, into the Trump narrative at a certain while. Trump made, you know, he's, he really screwed up. He could have saved the country. He could have been the hero of the age, but he didn't do his homework and he left it up to other people. And at some point he made a reference to injecting bleach. Um, and, and so they jumped on that and, uh, they, they were trying to link it to chlorine dioxide, but they failed. But in, but in any event, they say that chlorine dioxide is bleach. It's the equivalent of Clorox, that there's no difference between taking a swig of Clorox and a, and a swig of, of, of dilute chlorine dioxide in a glass of water. So that, that's their, and, and, and then to show you how sinister and how dishonest and how depraved these people are, there was a, a, a good doctor and I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's very famous. He was in England and he was a gastrointestinologist and very, very serious guy, over a hundred papers to his credit, great clinician. And Mothers were coming to him with young, young children with absolutely destroyed guts. And they were telling him this started after they were vaccinated. And so he wrote a paper saying, I think we should look at it. And for that, he was um, attacked nonstop by uh, basically Rupert Murdoch and Times of London. And I forget that Brian Deere, the miscreant that um, oh, the Murdoch's I hired. I book about uh, Andrew Wakefield, yeah. Yeah. And um, basically, this guy was given a blank check to do nothing but attack Andrew Wakefield. He had no other job. He went from being a, um, you know, a stumble bum um, freelance journalist to a very well paid guy with infinite resources, whose full time job was to attack and slander this, this doctor and have everything he said printed in the Times of London. And people need to know that um, GlaxoSmithKline is the biggest van- manufacturer of vaccines in the, United, in, in the UK. And that um, contemporaneous with this attack on Wakefield, Murdoch's criminal son, James Murdoch, and I don't say that lightly, when I say he's criminal, um, he was the bag man 
paying off witnesses to keep uh, victims of of uh, one of Murdoch's papers from testifying because Murdoch's guys had hacked into people's private voicemail, which is a crime. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, James Murdoch was the bag man, the son, and went around offering them. He offered one person one bit, one million pounds to keep quiet and got caught. Didn't go, didn't get charged, didn't go to jail, but you know, he did it. And, um, he became a board member of Gla- GlaxoSmithKline at the very same time, at the very same time that the Murdoch's, um, Times of London was hiring this, this deviant, uh, Brian Deere oh. to attack Andrew Wakefield. So, um, anyway, so, so let me, let me drill down to the actual case. So, um, th- some of these kids were so severely injured by these vaccine injuries and it had such a terrible effect on their gastrointestinal system that some of them had, one of them had to have parts of his intestines removed. So one of the, um, uh, people that appears to be employed, uh, let me give you her name. I'm just saying she appears to be employed because she has no other means of support and seems to have full time to do nothing but torment people. Her name is Emma Dalmain, D-A- L-M-A-Y-N-E, constantly featured by the Times of London. I don't think she has a high school diploma. Um, if she does, she slept through all her classes. But the Times of London seems to think she's a crusading um, health advocate, and they hold her up as a model of humanity. Anyway, she lied um, and said that a, a child, as a result of getting chlorine dioxide, had to have part of his t- Te, uh, intestines removed, and uh, t- and when asked by an investigator, a real investigative reporter, uh, when did this happen? Where's the where's the medical report? Where's the police report? She said, "Oh, I don't know, and it doesn't matter." And then I dug into it deeper, and I dug into it deeper, and actually, there were kids that had injuries like that, but they were injured by vaccines. So, in other words, there's no there's no low to which these people won't go uh, in order to carry out their um, their slander basically. Um, so they went after, there's a guy named the amazing Randy who runs something called the skeptics thing. And he's supposedly this great skeptic, you know, professional skeptic who debunks all kinds of things. So they had, here's what they did. So there was a kid, he was like 15 and he, while on the internet discovered this, this abuse of chlorine dioxide. And this became his mission in life at age 15 to stamp this out. Oh my God. Yeah. It gets even better. It gets even better. So the kid starts a blog. Okay. I get it. He writes, a th- I counted the number. I think it's 3,000. I'm going to remembering numbers sometimes 3,752 word article at age 15. I'm a pretty good writer. I wasn't writing 37. 100 word articles at 15 and i, I guarantee know, a 15 year old would, would have the patience to do that either or, or this or the skill right. it takes time to weave that many words together and on the first try because there's no evidence that this kid ever published anything before in his life but suddenly in this blog he's writing about the scourge of chlorine dioxide and it gets better so it gets better so we got the kid, he just, he's a crusader, he's a savant, he can suddenly spontaneously write brilliantly without any life experience. And wouldn't you know that a, week, a month later, a reporter from The Guardian discovered this blog post and made a hero. In fact, The Guardian UK. And uh, the guy that did it is Martin Robbins. Let's shout out. It's 2,777 words. Like, but anyway, Martin Robbins of... The UK, a month later, wrote a glowing piece on this heroic boy and what a great 
role model he is of somebody who's an activist and they're looking out for humanity and they're going after scammers and so on, right? Um, pretty interesting, pretty interesting. And then the little boy um, gets a reward. He's rewarded uh, by uh, James, uh, R- the amazing Randy himself. Uh, so that's how this started. That's how this started. And when you look at the background of these these journalists, so another one picked up the story, a guy named, I'm gonna guess, I think we really need, people need to be named. That's the problem. This is a risk-free g- game for these people. They do whatever they want, and there's never any consequences. So this guy, Stephen Morris, I think his previous articles were National Trust to Create 68 Orchards by 225 to Boost Wildlife. Another article of his was Plan by Bansky Art Gallery in Port Talbot may be under threat. So there's no indication this this reporter has ever had any medical or biological training of any kind. He's certainly never written on the subject. But suddenly, he and his paper have made it their mission to uh, elevate and canonize this young hero who discovered the despicable consumption of uh, chlorine dioxide. Now, you would think that that's so transparent that nobody would ever try that again. You would think wrong. So let's get to the hero of our, our real. So there's an, a, a, a California a legislator, uh, congressman, I can't think of his name, whatever, whatever is whatever is wrong in the world, he is promoting it. Um, he's a really, really profoundly bad guy. Anyway, he, he, uh, Remember, we had the the the, the whole um, vaccine hysteria um, around measles two years ago. Uh, right, there was a resurgence. Yeah, yeah, a bullshit resurgence. In other words, a few people got vaccine, got measles, and that was point you know painted as if it was the end of the world and it's epidemic and and you know oh my god and all these unvaccinated kids they're putting the world at risk and blah blah blah. And at which point, many state legislators uh, made a ruling that there would be no more exemptions to vaccines for children that wanted to attend school, right? That, that was all people missed that. I didn't, I saw it happening, but if you missed it, that's what they were doing a year before the scandemic. They were locking all the doors for children to be, you know, not subject to vaccines if, if the family didn't, didn't think they were a good thing. So anyway, this guy has a hearing on the dangers of anti-vaxxers and how Outlets like Facebook and Google need to step up and protect humanity against anti-vaxxers. So that was on like a Friday. On a Monday, this scumbag named Matt Reynolds, who writes for Wired UK, whose degree is in English studies, um, and whose previous job was as an intern at Kutsi & Kutsi, which is the PR firm for the biggest pharmaceutical uh, companies in and vaccine makers in the world. So he went from that job to Wired UK. And suddenly this English grad, this English student is an expert on everything related to medicine. It's just incredible. Like he must have gone to medical, like in between the, the apprenticeship, you know, the internship at the PR firm and working for Wired, he must have done a medical training because his articles are unbelievably detailed. So anyway, the, the, they had the, the, the sort of the kangaroo hearing uh, kangaroo court hearing in in Congress where everybody got up and decried, you know, the anti-vaxxers and we got to get them off of Facebook. Well, then on Monday, Mike, believe it or not, by strange coincidence, Matt Reynolds, U- Wired UK article appeared talking about Carrie Rivera and what a danger she was to the world. And then on Tuesday, Amazon took her book off the store. That is usually coordinated attacks. Uh, absolutely. 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 And not only that, 
Amazon took every book on chlorine dioxide off their store, even if it was written by an MD, even if it was written by a research chemist, 30 years of experience. This You could not sell a book on Amazon that discussed the existence of a chemical compound called chlorine dioxide. And that all, you know, so I went, I went to eBay and bought all of them. <laughs> so I got, I got a library of them, but they're gone. They're gone. So, so this is the kind of thing they're doing. So, and that's not all folks. That's not all. So then we have NBC and we have person. I, I don't know. I guess she's a person. I get, I, I don't know. I don't know what she is. Her name's Brandy Zadrozny. And um, she's a very suspicious character. There's a group called the Pointer Institute, which has received gazillions of dollars from Bill Gates. Not the only one, by the way. Reuters has received millions of dollars from uh, the Guardian in the UK has, Le Monde in France has, the LA Times has, um, El País in Spain has, NPR has, uh, on and on and on it goes. And NBC has, of course, received millions of dollars straight from Bill Gates. But the, the Pointer Institute, got a million dollars. And for some reason, they've made this person their poster girl. And the story is she was just a housewife, a librarian making cookies in New Hampshire. And next thing you know, she's working in New York on the, on the, you know, in the big time, in the big light, bright lights, big city, you know? Okay. Fair enough. Could happen. And her great skill. She's an amazing researcher. There's never been a researcher like this person in the history of humanity. She gets everything wrong. Like I, this is the one that miss grossly criminally misrepresented the number of chlorine dioxide injuries in an article, basically saying that uh, chlorine injuries are equivalent to chlorine dioxide injuries and then giving the chlorine injury. You know, chlorine is dangerous. A lot of people get injured by chlorine all the time. You know, that is a, da- that is a dangerous substance. So, so she decided she'd write an article about Carrie and just absolutely, you know, slammed and demolished and character assassination. But she wasn't done with Carrie. She wanted to go after the mothers who were successfully treating their children, their autistic children with chlorine dioxide. And I remember I told you the story about the, the 23-year-old young man, you know, 20 years of, of, right. of, you know, she decided to go after that woman by name and write an article naming her, giving the town where she lives, talking about her profession and co- complaining that the police hadn't arrested her yet. This is NBC News did this. And that article is still up. I can't, I still to this day can't believe that it was published. I can't believe that it's still up, but it's up and you can see it. Now it gets even better. There is a ring and one of the, and I mentioned one of the woman's name. Let me mention her name. Just so people, I, people get, and this is all documented, right? This is all very well documented. You don't even need to, you don't need super research skills. Emma Dalmain, one of her jobs, this is the woman with, a modest education, let's say, who's been lionized by uh, Murdoch's Times of London as being a great advocate for human health. Um, one of the things she does in her spare time is she roams around support groups for families with autism, and she finds mothers who have autistic children, and she tries to find mothers that are using chlorine dioxide, and she befriends them. And then she takes screenshots and edits them, creates dossiers, and sends them to local child protective services in various counties and states in America, claiming, oh. the, cho- claiming the children are being abused. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably just getting warmed up. Not only does she do it, she recruits and trains other people to do it. Okay. And 
Let me give you the names of two of these people. And by the way, these people appear in the article of Brandy Zadrozny as heroes, right? And their names are Amanda Siegler and Melissa Eaton. And these women, by their own admission, in an NBC News article, without any shame, say that they go out on the Internet, they find these families, and they file child protective service complaints about it. Now, if anybody knows that system, if anybody says anything about you and, and your children and to Child Protective Services, Child Protective Services is obligated to come to your house. They often come with an armed police officer because some of them, not all of them, but some of them uh, are have a vigilante spirit and they want to get into your house and they want to you know, search and do whatever they want. And by the way, the answer is, if this ever happens to you, the answer is no, get a search warrant. Um, so anyway, you're, you're, you know, a family, you've got a, you've got a child with, with, with autism, you're, you know, very difficult situation to be in. And one day there's a knock on the door and there's a woman there or a man with a clipboard and maybe a cop or two, and they want to know why you're abusing your child. And that's what, uh, Brandy Zadrozny has been advocating using her platform at NBC News so, you know, I, I, I could easily talk about what a, a depraved uh, individual she is, and she is. Um, but the real issue is who employs her? Who signed off on this article? Yeah, Somebody who did. Funds, who funds that effort? Yeah. Who, who, well, it's, you know, yeah, well, and, and, and that's all she writes about. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't write about any, her other great article was there was, a, there are a lot of, and they are, they're vigilantes, not in the sense of, you know, hanging people from trees, but they're vigilantes in the sense of trying to find out who the child predators are in their neighborhoods. And what they do is they create fake um, IDs and they pose as children and they ensnare these people and then report. And then, you know, th- this is this is a lot. This goes on in America and it's probably not a bad thing. Um, anyway, one of these people who got caught um, killed himself. It's tragic, but, you know things happen. And so she wrote a whole article uh, basically making this guy seem to be a saint and a victim. And what a horrible thing, you know, that he, that these groups exist. And, and, and if you ask law enforcement, they're happy these groups exist because they can't, they can't do, they don't have the resources to track these people. And so they like getting tips um, when they're, but what's so interesting is Zadrozny found that offensive. She finds the protection of children who are being systematically sought out and abused by predators, she finds the detection of those people to be um, despicable. And she wrote an article about this. <laughs> it's in NBC's website. It's in NBC's yeah. website, right? But the idea of making up stories about about families um, who are trying to treat their children, that's okay with her. Not only is it okay, she thinks it's a great thing. So this is what, so, so to bring this all around full circle, when I say... <laughs> You know, that there is a lot of sinister behavior going on out there. I'm not just, you know, I'm not exaggerating. And I think it, I think it all boils down to this. The pharmaceutical industry owns NBC. It functionally, it owns CBS. It owns NBC. It owns Fox. It owns NPR. It owns them all. And it owns them all because they are the cash cow for every single one of these news outlets. And the news outlets get it. And, and again, you, if somebody were to, if some grad student out there wants to do a chart 
and show that the number of critical journalistic pieces on pharma have gone from significant to near zero, that chart could easily be produced. It's, you know, maybe a day's worth of work for somebody. Of course, you want to stretch it out over 10 years, you know, to justify <laughs> your stipend, but, but it's something that could, somebody could probably figure out in a day. They have absolutely taken journalism captive. That's why we're, you know, to bring this to, to the full circle with, with the, with the uh, COVID theater, that's why we are where we are with COVID today. And it's the same problem. So to bring this full circle, is there a thing called chlorine dioxide? Yes, it is a compound indisputable. Like many compounds, it is not equivalent to its individual parts. It is approved by the EPA for the for for putting in drinking water. It is approved by the FDA as a class two um, food additive. It is approved in products that are currently being used for oral hygiene and dental uh, treatments. It is patented for medical purposes by Johnson and Johnson and UCLA and probably and a whole bunch of other people. I I, I, I once flipped through the patents really fast and I didn't really study them, but there are a lot of them. Um, it is known to be a super effective killer of pathogens, but not not via poisoning, via something that's more akin to oxidation. Um, and it has been used by millions of people. And the actual number of um, injuries, you know, at least by somebody who's responsible, OSHA, um, they're, they're just, they're about as rare. You're more likely to get struck by lightning. Um, now I'm not saying you couldn't misuse it and injure yourself. I mean, anybody could do anything, but you're more likely to get, far more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to um, medically significant uh, reaction to chlorine dioxide. In fact, you really can't have one because it's so chemically similar to a, ke- a chemical that our own body, that a compound that our own bodies produce to regulate our immune system. If you were um, reactive to the compound itself, you would have died a long time ago because your body would have killed you. Where can people go to find out more? It's, well, how, where do you, how can you find out more when when Amazon pulls the books, when all the know. video, when when all the videos are taken off the internet? When all the doctors have been told, if you talk about this, your license is gone. Um, it's it's pretty hard. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find that film, send it to you. It's obviously been put on a on a server that is not owned by Google, and that would be that that film is actually excellent. It's a new film. It's really good. It really goes into detail. The first half is the science, and then the second half is just person after person after person talking about it. Um, so I'll put together a list for your for your um, listeners, and they can okay. see. Thank you what's going on. But um, yeah, I mean, I would, I honestly, if I hadn't stumbled on this story, I, I, if somebody came and told me this, I would have said, it's just impossible what you're saying, but um, I'll send you all the links and, and, and people can track, track all this and just see for themselves. You know, we, we are not, if there, if there is a therapeutic agent that costs less than a penny, that is safe and very helpful in a, in a wide variety of, of therapeutic settings you will never hear about it. And this is why you never hear about it because it is it just, I mean, I mean how, how much, how much more of a hammer could they be using to, to suppress this? Uh, I mean, I, and I, I honestly, even I was like, well, maybe I even shouldn't talk about this because they'll use it. But I want to repeat, since I said at the beginning of the, the uh, interview, I, I grant, I grant license to anybody to use any excerpt from this talk for the fee of $250,000. So, if you want to use it, I could use the money and I, and my lawyer would love, you know, a new car. So please, please excerpt the part of this that makes me look most ridiculous and run it 
So we can show up at a court with a demand for a quarter of a million dollars. And you know what? You're going to write a check. So if you want to write a check to us for a quarter of a million, misuse this information that I just gave you because because I, I can't wait. I'm salivating at the opportunity. Right. <laughs> well, very good. With Ken, thank you for coming back and, uh, you know, again, for exposing this stuff. So thank you. Well, thank you for letting me vent. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.